Welcome to the Scalable Solutions Podcast. If you're looking to scale or start a successful online business up to $10 million, but have struggled to scale the three marketing mountains of copywriting, e-commerce, and digital marketing, the Scalable Solutions Podcast is your new base camp. You now have a serial entrepreneur behind you who's reached multiple summits of success to answer your questions so you can scale and start a successful online business. Today we're going to be talking about crafting offers. What does your customer really want? The customer has a job to do and they will hire the best product or service to get it done. So with that, uh, let's kind of introduce the idea of uh, crafting offers. Um, what does your customer really want? Um, Martin, help us out here. Have you asked them yet? <laughs> okay, that's a, that's a good point. <laughs> so again, at the risk of uh, sounding a little repetitive across all these episodes, know your target audience. Uh, know them by surveying them, polling them, asking them questions, trying to engage them. Uh, Wayne was actually just mentioning how Copyblogger does this in an excellent way by sending out an email and they'll drip out the next email and they'll let you know when but if you take an action in the form of filling out a survey or some other action some some kind of interaction they'll provide it for you immediately so it's it's brilliant uh, and copyblogger is a is an excellent source of information in the space but something like that uh, is what you're going to need to do to know enough about your audience to be able to craft an offer that's appealing to them. And as we talked about in our heuristics episode, uh, reciprocity is a powerful heuristic where if you provide something that surprises and delights, um, you're, they're much more likely to convert and become a customer of yours. So don't, when it comes to, to offer crafting, don't forget the core heuristics and, and reciprocity is your friend. You usually can't give away too much. Um, oftentimes, if, if you're relatively new to the space, to the e-commerce space, and you feel like you're giving away a little bit too much, that's about the right amount. Uh, especially if you're what you're selling is digital. Obviously, that's easily scalable. You only have to produce it one time. It doesn't cost you any more to keep sending it out. Uh, so do that. Um, digital offers are, are scalable, deliverable instantaneously. Um, and they also work great as a tripwire. So Digital Marketer coined the term tripwire, which is a small purchase because customers that have made any purchase from you are seven times, I believe it's seven times more likely to purchase from you again. Statistics vary a little bit and of course vary from company to company, but uh, the point is that they're orders of magnitude more likely to purchase from you if they've purchased something for a small amount. Also, people respect uh, to kind of uh, on the flip side, people people respect what they've paid for more than what they haven't. So you want to create an offer that's appealing to your target audience. You want to surprise and delight if you can. And, and of course, activate all of the core heuristics that you can review in our uh, heuristics episode. And also, if you can, get them to purchase or if you're having conversion rates or, or issues or you want to test uh, the tripwire method, um, have a small a small offer, have a free offer, have a, a small purchase. And I, and I do mean small, 99 cents to 4.99 is generally the tripwire range. 
in the business to consumer space. Uh, of course, that's going to vary. Uh, and, and so that's another kind of thing you can build on top of, of your offer. Awesome. So when we think about uh, crafting offers, um, there might be two totally different approaches. Uh, one approach says, here's what our product can do, while the other approach says, here's what you can do with our product. Do you see a difference in those two approaches, and how do you approach crafting offers? Um, there's also a third one. So and I'll, I'll, there's a popular analogy um, that people in the marketing space, there's a couple different versions, but they'll use the uh, drill in the picture one where um, people say, well, you don't want the drill, you want the hole in the wall. Or really, you don't even want the hole in the wall, you want the picture on the wall. Well, and I say, you don't even want the drill or the hole or the picture, you want the way the picture makes you feel. So there's, there's definitely more than one ways to look at this and there's more than one way to craft an offer depending on what it is that you are selling um, obviously if you can target the emotional side of it first that's always always good uh, fear is very good um, so is uh, surprise and delight uh, and, and so tr trying to focus on, on kind of what emotional state either they're already in especially in the case of, say, a service, uh, let's say a plumber, uh, generally the emotional state is predictable. Um, it's what we would all feel if we came home to a broken pipe or something's leaking or the toilet's not working, you know, frustration and impatience, um, that sort of thing. So working on either alleviating a certain emotion or providing a certain emotion um, is, is very powerful. And then there's, a, you know, the product, you know, so specifically detailing the product. But generally speaking, people are looking to buy a product because of how it makes them feel in one or more ways. And what I mean by that, I don't mean one or more emotions. I mean one or more ways. Either they want to feel good because they bought the product or because they own the product or they want to alleviate a certain emotion because of buying that product or they want to feel like they're part of something because they bought the product. And so these are all very powerful use cases for crafting offers. And I know that it's a little bit abstract, so trying to get a little bit more practical would be if you have um, a widget and there's two ways to approach this. If your widget is relatively unique, um, you, you, you want to express that and in terms of both of the features and the, and the emotional impact. Uh, if your widget is not unique, then that's kind of where your USP comes into play. And you're gonna focus, you're gonna use your USP as the foundation for building your offer. Uh, I'm not saying that it doesn't work in the former example either, but what I'm saying is you have a little bit more uniqueness, which helps uh, which could help you craft your offer. But either way, you're going to rely on your USP. You're going to rely on the knowledge you have of your target audience to to craft a compelling offer. Very good, very good. Um, so I've taken a few courses. You had mentioned a digital marketer before and, and um, taken and really enjoyed uh, their offerings there. And one of, in one of the courses, they talk about um, 
crafting offers, they use the term situation, motivation, and expected outcome. For example, they say, when, insert situation, I want to, motivation, so I can, expected outcome. Do you see value in that sort of uh, approach or thinking about a core offer that way? Sure, I think it's very helpful, especially for people that don't have any kind of background or experience in uh, kind of crafting these sorts of offers. So Digital Marketer provides a lot of, of great worksheets for kind of helping these sorts of things. I tend to do things more ad hoc. I actually don't really follow anyone else's systems. Um, except for what I kind of continuously repeat <laughs> here on the podcast, which is uh, know what the audience wants to see. Uh, know what their pain points are, uh, if that's applicable. Uh, one of my companies, there's really not a lot of pain points. It's it's kind of a, it's an item that's um, more of, I guess, more pleasure-oriented in terms of I just, you know, I just want to own this because I like it or because it's from something that I like. Um, it's more in the collectible space. So it's it's not like the only, I guess, pain point you could say is the fact that you really like um, something and you don't have a collectible item from it. <laughs> so, uh, But uh, on the other hand, I have another company where um, there's some very strong and obvious pain points and uh, the product really helps alleviate those very effectively. So. In the latter company, I, I'm of course, um, I, most of my offers are surrounding the common pain points uh, that everybody that experiences, um, it's in the pet space. Everybody that has this particular kind of pet experiences these particular pain points. And so my offer is really surrounded uh, alleviating that along with uh, a couple of other unique aspects to the product. But in my other company, uh, my for, the former or the, the first company I mentioned, uh, the collectible company, it's really just about um, giving the customer what they want in, in the space. So that, that means knowing exactly what they want, knowing what they have, knowing what they don't have, uh, and, and sort of what they expect to pay. So that's where, uh, depending on your target audience, depending on your product, it's going to depend on how you're going to to craft the offer. So I feel like the, the digital marketing example is great, especially in some places, but if you have a product that's appealing to say multiple pain points or things like that, um, you may want to target up to three rather than just one uh, in a given offer. That being said, your product may alleviate 10, but you don't want to put all 10 into your, to your particular offer. It's too many, uh, one to three. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Um, now let's think about actually uh, what this crafting of this offer should look like. How, how should it be communicated? Um, the idea of metaphors comes up a lot, uh, seeing patterns in the world and applying them um, uh, where they don't seem to apply, uh, maybe helping people to understand things that way. Uh, have you ever used or would you use metaphors in crafting these offers? Well, you could create your metaphor because whoever uh, heard of a camel smoking? <laughs> Until, yeah. Uh, same. I mean, there, there's a lot of, of amazing examples of marketing, especially from the 50s and 60s. Uh, Marlboro Man, for example, is just you know iconic. Um, fast forward, you know, 20, 20 
well, 30 years, I guess, look at something like the E-Trade babies uh, and then look at um, the marketing done for Allstate, the Allstate disaster guy, yeah. I mean, just, just epic. Yeah. My point is um, these are all different ways of marketing that are not not at first relevant to the product mm-hmm. is what you were saying, kind of the metaphor. So it's more create, more creative, more impactful. Uh, if you can elicit emotional responses, especially laughter from your marketing, um, you're, you're killing it. Uh, I highly encourage everybody, especially if you're not easily offended, to go look at the DOS beer boot video uh, on YouTube. Just a phenomenal piece of marketing. Um, for one vat 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 nineteen dot com, um, they can they can market you know things for the, that cost a couple bucks out of China and just explode it to hundreds of thousands of orders from fantastic marketing. Uh, it's hilarious. Um, same thing goes um, for of course the the Dollar Shave Club video, which is just legendary. Um, so it's absolutely brilliant. So there's definitely uh, when I hear meta, I hear you talk about metaphors. I just I, I interpret that to basically be marketing that isn't just talking about the product or the pain points. Mm-hmm. So off the wall, you know, comedic, uh, especially comedic, but also iconic. Uh, some of the examples we mentioned. So there's there's lots of different ways to market something and. and it's really going to apply to you're the one to your skill set because you're the one that has to build this company right now. You don't, you probably don't have the budget to go to an ad agency or, or copywriting or that sort of thing or, or hire people that have experience. So um, it's all about you at this point in time. And if your experience or your capabilities lie in certain places, run with it. So the the ironic thing is, I was really good at long form copy, text copy. Uh, writing with different voices and styles and things like that. Uh, it didn't appeal. You know, text copy is definitely less impactful than imagery in the target audience of, of one of my companies. But I wasn't a graphics designer, but I was a copywriter. So I had to make do with what I could, and I just changed it to meet the target audience, which means I basically did one-sentence paragraphs, and I kept everything really short and concise. I wrote it about a third grade reading level, um, just just really simplistic. And it, it, you know, it worked. It worked well enough to start until the point where I could hire graphic designers and um, you know, make improvements. But my point is that do what you can with what you, what you have because you don't have anything else. So for example, uh, my brother who has no copywriting experience training and really no practical experience at all can just put together the funniest copy and the funniest little video skits and just it's amazing and better than I could do after doing this for 10 or 15 years sometimes for certain audiences and just, it's super impressive so um, if that's where your skill lies do that um, but at this point in time you're going to have to make do with what you have so it's good to know your strengths and weaknesses and just play to your strengths um, until you have enough uh, income coming in to find people that have strengths where you have weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So we've talked a little bit about the importance of humor uh, in marketing, uh, maybe metaphors and kind of using 
your own strengths that you have. Now, for the person that is really kind of looking at themselves and saying, hey, maybe I don't have the marketing muscles that I should, are there, are there other ways to craft that offer besides humor and, and metaphors and uh, kind of using your own strengths? Maybe some things they can learn um, that might help them. So think about the things that you delete and the things that you don't in your email inbox. That's a good starting place, <laughs> especially if you're your target audience. If you are not your target audience, and also remember, you're never going to think like your target audience because entrepreneurs don't think like non-entrepreneurs. So be careful about trying to sell to yourself before uh, a word of caution before I continue. But think about what you delete and what you don't and try to put yourself in the shoes of your target audience. What would surprise and delight you? Or what would make you offer an ad? What would make you open and act on an offer uh, if you were your customer? And again, ask them. Um, send out a survey. Hey, I'm thinking about making this little ebook about a little recipe ebook, or I'm thinking about making these printable recipe cards, or I'm thinking about making these little um, video series from my favorite recipes, and see what the survey says. And then do that. Um, that's you, you can't go wrong that way. Um, yes, you can go wrong listening too much to your customers, but you can't go wrong too much listening to them when it comes to them telling you what they want. And whenever you put it into a survey form and give them three choices, <laughs> and then you can act upon that. Um, or a choice. It can even be one question with three or four potential answers, or it can be two or three questions with three or four potential answers. Um, but find out, find out what they want, and then do that. Uh, you can't go wrong with that. So, and, and the things, the, the options you give them can be, all be things that you you are able to put together. So obviously, you wouldn't offer them a feature film if you don't have the capabilities to produce that. So it's important to know what you are making your offer for. Are you trying to sell something? Is this like a, a permanent, what we call evergreen offer in the, in the digital marketing space? Is it just a, is it a lead magnet? Is it a top of the funnel? Uh, what are you trying to do with your offer? Uh, offer can mean one of many different things. Um, so what's the, what's the initial goal? And then what's the end goal of this offer? So you need a path there. And I'll describe um, something that's been successful for me. Uh, one of my uh, primary funnels is offering um, a really big discount on a product with a subscription. Like if they sign up to the subscription and they get this bonus product for free. Um, and I have another version of it. Well, I have many versions, but that they, the physical version follows that. The digital version comes uh, offers free digital product. And in exchange for filling out a survey that tells me about some, some pertinent questions, information about, about what they like, and also includes an email and phone number um, because I'm big about SMS marketing. So in exchange for that, they get the free digital product. Uh, and then they also get, a um, again, surprise and delight. So they get bonus five days worth of free content um, on the digital side. And on the physical side, they also get a bonus digital five days of content that we didn't even uh, offer, that I didn't tell them about. So getting some heuristics there, capturing a lot of data there, 
and it's a, it's it's fantastic top of the funnel because they're coming into to uh, to drip, and I already know their phone number, their email, their preferences, and so they immediately can slot into different types of offers based upon their answers. Um, so for for me, that offer is a top of the funnel offer, but I have a, a clear goal of of course trying to sell them, um, you know, a physical subscription or digital subscription. But they are also getting all of these, all of this free digital content that I know will appeal to them, um, because the digital content was created based on the results of the surveys. Mm-hmm. So it statistically will appeal to nearly ninety percent of people that are coming in. Uh, of course, I could get even more granular if I needed to. Let's say that I had only a ten percent chance. Let's say there was like ten different answers that were very common. And there was no way to deliver content that would help all of them. Well, I would just slot in and I would have 10 different offers or 10 different follow-up uh, emails, say, and then based upon their answers, I would segment them and then they would, they would receive content that appealed to them. Because uh, sometimes you may have audiences or customers or you have a space where people really want to see X, but they definitely don't want to see Y. Mm-hmm. So that's when you would, you would want to be really granular with that. But... The point is, um, you know, I'm pitching this offer, um, Facebook ads and other display advertising. Um, they hit the survey, fill out the survey, survey goes to drip, and then they get freebies. And after the freebies that they still haven't purchased, they start the lead nurture sequence. So top of the funnel and then, and then down further. But the, the offers are um, something that I know is going to appeal to them, a free product or, or free um, imagery, but I know from my audience data that they will statistically be interested in those. Brilliantly uh, simple. (laughs) (laughs) So it's a little bit, you have to have the content, you have to put together all the automation and you have to, or you or somebody has to go run all those ads, (laughs) you know, but, uh, but yes, it, it does work once it's accomplished. Speaking of working, um, can you talk a little bit about testing? I mean, so we've done all this work and we've gathered all this data and we've crafted our offer. How do we know whether it's working or not? How do we test? Well, it depends, again, on what offer you're testing. Uh, in the example that I used previously, if no one clicks on the ad, well, obviously there's a problem with the ad. If they're clicking on the ad and they're not filling out the survey, there's a problem somewhere between the ad and the survey. <laughs> you know, that could be one of multiple different things. It could be audience targeting, it could be the ad, it could be the survey. Um, so if, if they're filling out the survey but not buying, um, you should have some data there as to why not, or you need a, enough data to start forming some hypotheses and then sending out polls to find out about that. Um, so when it comes to, you, you may mean split testing, um, which can be done, of course, at the ad level, it can be done at the survey level, it can be done at the email level. Um, so most platforms allow various types of testing. Um, and so there's lots of different ways to test to test offers. Generally speaking, you have to be moving quite a, probably a thousand or more eyeballs to make it worth any kind of testing because uh, you won't get enough statistical significance. Uh, so testing is definitely important, but you need to be doing volume before that. Makes sense, makes sense. And um, any final takeaways on this session of crafting offers? Maybe your top 
three tips for crafting um, offers, maybe even in this day and age with COVID and kind of, you know, how the, the current situation and circumstances are changing things up a little bit than they are. Well, ready, fire, aim is always important. Don't get too caught up in trying to craft the perfect offer and end up not making an offer. Um, so make an offer, some kind of offer. Try it out. See if it works. See if it doesn't work. See, you know, define your goals beforehand. Um, so I think I have, you know, that's my one tip. Make sure you do something. Uh, number two would be try to get some information about your customer besides just lead capture, if, if lead capture is the goal of your offer. So try to throw in at least one question about something that will help you sell to them more effectively or help you craft your product or future products to be more appealing to that audience. Um, and, and number three is have follow-up automation that allows you to surprise and delight and of course lead nurture. If, if you capture your goal. Fantastic. And I'm sorry, I just looked to the back of my notes here and I had one uh, question on uh, trial offers uh, or trial periods. Do you ever throw those in? Why or why not? I think they're a great idea. I don't personally use them just because of the nature of my companies and products. Uh, that doesn't mean I don't think it's a good idea. Uh, I think that they're a great idea and that's where testing is important. Um, so that's when you want to test trial offer versus no trial offer, and then you want to test trial offer with credit card versus trial offer without credit card. See what leads to your highest customer lifetime value. Easier to talk about testing than it is to do testing. Mm -hmm. But if you are implementing trial periods, you probably have an, you're probably able to start doing testing. Um, if not, then Try it out. Even if it has to be something as basic as offering trial periods for a month and then not offering trial periods for a month and then comparing the customer lifetime value of all of your customers from one period versus another and just monitoring that over the next 90 days. Um, but trial offers are great, um, especially if you are using that time to onboard your customer well. So make it easy for them to onboard and also integrated into their life before the end of the trial period. So I feel like a great trial period length is long enough for them to form a habit for using your product or get it implemented into their workflow or their daily life. Thank you for listening. Martin, thank you again for your time. Yep. Thank you, Wayne.